Hey, this is John Lodge, and you're talking rock with Dave and Shane. We are so thrilled. John Lodge, bassist, the Moody Blues, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame inductee, out with the live version of the classic Gemini Dream, recorded live in Las Vegas on the Royal Affair tour on his new album, The Royal Affair and After. John Lodge, welcome in, sir. How are you? And uh, boy, this is just a great revisit of a classic track. Glad to have you on and glad to talk about it. Thank you, Dave. Um, thank you for inviting me. Yeah, wonderful. How does it feel having uh, a live version of this 1981 classic originally off of uh, the long distance Voyager? Uh, what is it like to have this record out now and uh, this track and how does it feel? Well, I've revisited it. You know, I do it on stage with my band and uh, um, I, I transformed it in a way. I made it more uh, engine fired. Uh, there's a lot of bottom end in there and adding the cello into it um, has made given it a different feel in a way uh, it sounds more urgent and uh, I think that's the right thing to do in this <laughs> this time we're living in you know yeah absolutely yeah, yeah John you wrote you wrote the classic song, of course, Isn't Life Strange, which has kind of taken on a whole new meaning for these last 20 months. And uh, I got I listened to that song quite a bit, actually, to get through through a lot of this. What how did you handle things going through this as from what you do and and who you are? How, how was it? How's it been the last two years? It, it, it's been it's been uh, tough, uh, like for everyone, you know. Uh, I miss seeing friends and family. I finished my tour uh, in America March the 9th and came down to Naples, Florida to celebrate my grandson's birthday, which was March the 14th. We got locked down March the 12th mm -hmm. and I never saw him for three months, you know. Um, and so from a personal point of view, uh, it was really tough. But I decided, you know, better do something about it. Uh, and I built my little studio here. Uh, we've got an apartment in Naples. Um, and I built my studio here, only a small one. Uh, but I got about a recording. And uh, I wrote, recorded a song called In These Crazy Times, which reflected the feeling I had and probably the feeling everyone else had. And then a bit later on, I recorded this song called uh, uh, The Sun Will Shine. And that was hopefully coming out of this period of time we're in and we can get back on with our normal lives, whatever the new normal is, you know? Has this been... Uh part of the more unique part of the of the creative process for you, uh, you know, dealing with lockdown and going to work in your home studio? Yeah, I think what's happened for me, and probably for a lot of musicians, 
uh, I've been used to all the years always working in a, a studio with lots of people around me and all that. Uh, but recording on my own, I've been making the files here, send them up to my keyboard guy, and he does all these uh, keyboards, and then I send them up to my guitarist guy and a cellist, and I end up uh, with everything back here, and we mix it, and with um, and it's been a rev revelation for me, to be honest. And uh, I really like this way of recording. I've, I'm recording now, uh, and uh, the files of flying through the air. Mm. Uh, and uh, for me, it's a great way to do it because I think it's more creative. You know, when we started in the studio, there was five guys in the band, a road manager, a producer, and, a, and uh, an engineer. Uh, I think when we last recorded in a studio, there was that four assistant engineers, producers, 20 computers, and, you know, phone calls from accountants and lawyers and record companies. It was like a mass media. It had nothing at all to do with the creative process. Recording was like, try and record this in the, in the gap you've got before all these people want your attention. And uh, I didn't like that. Uh, it's not creative. Well, the, the song he wrote um, 90 days into this mess um, in these crazy times, the isolation mix, is there, is there plans for a studio record? Or are you working on that now? Like what's after this live release? I, I, I have made a, 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 a we have made a, 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 you know, a, a real version of it with all my guys playing. Um, this song, and I think it will. It was going to feature on an EP, uh, but I'm being concentrating on the Royal Affair album, getting that right, because for me, I wanted to be the right sound on one 80 gram vinyl with a double gatefold sleeve and all the information, like what we used to have, you know. Uh, and uh, it's taken some time to get that done because uh, the best place for English uh, records to be made, to be honest, vinyl, is in Germany. Mm. Uh, I made two test presses first in England and re rejected those. Uh, and then the German company came through and uh, I'm really pleased with it. It's a nice, solid piece of vinyl deep cut in there, uh, and it sounds great. And uh, whether you like the music or not, that's subjective, you know, but it, it, uh, it sounds for me uh, really good. The, the bottom end is solid. Uh, so when you turn the volume down, it's still solid at the bottom. So going back to in these crazy times, the, the uh, the, the studio version, I have that, and I've recorded four or five other songs as well. And so that may feature later on next year. Um, 
uh, in another album that uh, you know uh, it's been really creative time strangely uh, being locked out not on the road uh, I've missed that because I enjoy traveling and I enjoy being on the road playing music to people because you know, we're all just singers in a rock and roll band, really. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> but I, you started out in the Moody's in 66, I want to say, right? And you were active in the Birmingham scene. Um, I'm wondering, you know, can you take us back to those days? What, were, what was, um, in the UK, what were those early, uh, what was that early music scene like? Especially as you were maybe looking at what was happening in America, too. Like, what was that like for you? Yeah, that's exactly what we're doing. Everything was coming out of America. We grew up on uh, rock and roll um, and blues. Um, so we grew up with um, uh, Fats Domino, Jerry Lee Lewis, Little Richard, um, Larry, Larry Price, uh, and then blues, you know, what it was, B.B. King, Sonny Boy Williamson. We was going to uh, obscure record uh, uh, shops and hunting these records down, trying to find things that weren't AM, bubblegum, uh, you know, middle of the road. Stuff was, was uh, music was, was going to expand us as musicians, you know, uh, and cre hopefully creative people. And uh, so... The first four years of my music life from when I was 15 was copying, copying, copying American music. And uh, I think we copied, we copied the uh, American music, repackaged it and sent it back, to be honest. <laughs> uh, but um, yeah, it, it, it was a great time. Uh, we You'd go and see another band, local band. Uh, there was great musicians, I have to say. We all grew, grew together. And you go and see a local band, see what the songs were, they were playing and say, oh, I love that song. Where did that come from? And then they'd try and find the artist and find another song, perhaps, that that, that artist had done and take that one and make you make it your own, you know. Mm. Yeah. Do you remember the first forty-five you ever picked up, John? Well, I remember my first. I a, in England, we didn't have forty-fives until a lot after America. We had seventy-eights, great big bakelite things, and I have to tell you, when I was fifteen, I bought. Um, uh, That'll be the day. Uh, uh, Johnny be good. No, sweet little 16 first. Mm. Uh, uh, whole lot of shaking, Jerry Lee Lewis. And I have to tell you, I have a, a world, it's a 1015 jukebox from 1945. And all those records are still on my jukebox. And which I loving I lovingly play regularly, and the jukebox plays the right music, man. Who oh, are by the great big twelve-inch uh, valve-driven speaker? That's awesome! Wow, that wow. sounds like a vintage, a vintage uh, jukebox too, at the least, uh, right? 
that's been, uh, been with you for a while. It, it, it's, a, it's a different sound. Yeah. It really is a different sound. And, uh, you know, uh, Wurlitzer made this, the 1053, I think it was the first jukebox to incorporate Polaroid uh, um, plastic. So mm. when, the, when the lights went round, it polarized the lights. Yeah, um, uh, it, it's a, it's a fantastic piece of uh, machinery, you know, fantastic. Yeah. What I I read recently an interview from a couple of years ago from Danny Lane, who of course you know. Um, he talked about um, how close he was with George Harrison and stuff like that. Were you all close with the Beatles? Did you guys all kind of hang out with them at that time? Um, in a way, you know, our paths crossed with everyone. It, it was a strange time, really. But a, a path really crossed all the while with mm. Jimi Hendrix and um, the animals and everyone, the stones. We, I mean, uh, Graham Edge and I had a meeting with Mick and uh, Charlie once, uh, trying to form a record company together, mm. you know. Uh, so that was what life was, uh, I think, uh, in those days. Uh, you saw right each other, you listening to each other's music and, and uh, reading, uh, oh, that's fantastic. I, I wish, perhaps we can do something different. But just to go back on the Beatles, uh, Ray Thomas and I had a band called El Wyatt of the Rebels, and we used to uh, uh, play in this little uh, town hall, not far from Birmingham, uh, and we were always top of top of the bill. You know, mm. every every month on the Saturday we were top of the bill, and uh, we, we got there one year, and uh, the promoter came up and says, "Hey boys, I'm going to pay you the same." But you're not top of the bill tonight. Mm. And we said, why not? And he said, well, we've got this band called From Liverpool. Uh -huh. And they just they just released a record called Lumby Do. And so they're the record artists. So they're top of the bill. Wow. And uh, we took a photograph all together. And I still got a photograph of that time. Well, 1963. Yeah, 19, Lumby Do. And uh, yeah, I think that he, he got like 125 bucks and we got $30. <laughs> <laughs> how, do, how do you remember, uh, you know, we just uh, honored the 20th anniversary of the passing of George Harrison yesterday. I mean, how do you remember George Harrison? And I guess two part mm -hmm. question going back to what you were talking about with uh, you said Mick and Charlie, would there have ever been a possibility of like a side music project there too? Well, we did uh, we did a thing with George for, in Birmingham mm. uh, for the Children's Hospital mm. uh, a few years in, in the mid eighties sometime uh, to raise money for the Children's Hospital uh, and it's George and uh, the Moody Blues and Jeff Lynne and ELO and UB Forty uh, yeah so we did things together and of course I'm. Um, big Moody Blue, uh, Buddy Holly fan. And I saw Buddy Holly live in Birmingham when I was 12 or 13. 
Anna was in with lunch with uh, Paul McCartney a few years ago, uh, and he invited some of the crickets over for the lunch, and I was at the lunch, and he got a copy of the program, and I had I took the actual program, not the mm. copy. Oh wow, I love it. <laughs> I said, That's, "This is what you really need." The real program, <laughs> and uh, so uh, yeah, it's uh, it, it, it's the British music scene is very parochial uh, in, in a way. Uh, we really interweave all the while. We may not see somebody for ages, and suddenly I'm doing a, a charity with uh, uh, Kenny Jones. Uh, you know, from this faces and uh, yeah, uh, so it it really is pretty parochial. Very nice. I just I wanted to express my condolences for the loss of Graham Edge, yeah. um, who recently passed. I know it's very close to home. You don't have to answer this. I just was curious how everybody's doing. Everybody okay? Yeah, yeah, fine. Yeah, I'm fine. The justice fine. Yeah, and the. Uh, um, yeah, I was with Graham a few days before he passed away, and uh, um, uh, I've been very close with Graham, and uh, he's actually recorded his poem for me uh, from Days of Future Past, which I feature on in my concert now. You do the cold-hearted orb of the rules of night. Mm -hmm. um, but I was with Graham, and... Um, we shed a few tears and uh, we had a few laughs and uh, remembered some of the old days and uh, I gave him a copy of my new album which has got Graham uh, narrating the pro poem and the photograph of him so he's tickled pink with that so yeah. I'm pleased we made the visit you know just before he passed away uh, I first met Graham when I was 16, uh, and he played in a, a band called Jerry Levine and the Avengers. And Ray Thomas and I used to go and see him play because he played, uh, uh, he had a gig on a Saturday afternoon. Nobody had a gig on a Saturday afternoon, yeah, yeah. but he did. And uh, I used to, I loved his drumming then. And uh, it was strange, like, Four years later, we're in the same band together and uh, we struck up a, a great friendship and it's, it's lasted all this time. Um, our, my condolences as well uh, to you. And, you know, you've done such a, a, a service to, I think, us fans by keeping the music alive for, I mean, you mentioned Ray Thomas, uh, you know, Mike Pender, and then obviously, of course, Graham. And I just wonder, is it emotional for you as you work to keep that music alive and, and, and celebrate that legacy? Yeah, it's because it's it's the soundtrack of my life, you know. Uh, I, I remember, say, when Ray wrote the song "Legend of My Legend of a Mind," uh, we were living in a, a, a the same flat apartment. You couldn't call it an apartment, really. It's <laughs> too small for that uh, in London. And he came in the bedroom one day and said, hey, Rocker, listen to this. And he sang the opening lines of Timothy Leary's Dead. So mm -hmm. I remember that from 
the very bare bones of the song to being in Madison Square Garden and Ray playing it for real and playing all the flute parts. And, uh, you know, it's very emotional. Uh, all, the, all those things, uh, yeah, very emotional. But when I sing the songs on stage, I, in a way, I try to become them. Mm. Uh, to 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 give it as much emotion as I can that I think they did for the song. Mm. Yeah, it, it's from from what we've heard so far, just it's a beautiful concert, and uh, like you said, I, I guess the pressing of the vinyl isn't coming out until I think January twenty eighth, something like that, on on blue vinyl, correct? Yeah, we've got blue vinyl. Uh, the, I think the original. The release date now is January 14th, but may, that may be for the, you know, the black one, I, I, you know, um, yeah. it's just like everything else nowadays, everything's in a container somewhere, and yeah. nobody knows where the containers are. Yeah. <laughs> I hope the it, container's not hot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I see the magnificent. Um, is that a P bass behind you? And I, I think if so, is that that's been such a, a part of your sound? I mean, how did you go about discovering that bass and 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 other other instruments that um, you especially identify with? Uh, my precision bass. Uh, uh, you know, when I first started, there was no electric basses in England at all. Mm. None was. I didn't even know what an electric bass was. Uh, and I used to play the bottom four strings on my guitar uh, and pretend that was a bass, you know. Uh, and um, then I bought a couple of bass guitars turned up, which weren't that good. But I remember seeing a band called the Treniers, uh, and they were in a movie called The Girl Can't Help It but they also toured England and I went to see them and I saw a guy at the back playing what I thought was a Fender Stratocaster mm. guitar and I realised it only had four strings mm. and that was, I think, the first time I'd seen an electric bass and then I went to my um, a music store one Saturday morning where all body musicians used to go when you were kids and play the latest chords to someone, you know. Uh, and I went there in the window, it said, direct from the USA, mm. precision sunburst fender bass. Mm. And that was, <laughs> wow, that was my, that was my Damascus moment, I have to tell you. And I rushed home to my dad and said, dad, you gotta help me out here, and we went back, and I bought that bass then, uh, uh, 1960, wow. and uh, it's played on every Moody Blues song, almost except perhaps three, but okay. the majority, and I'm still using the bass on the recordings I'm doing now. Wow. It plays, it plays on its own. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> Every time I pick it up, it seems to know what to do. Oh, that's amazing. Is that the one you used at the Rock Hall, too? No, what oh, okay. on, 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 on stage, because um, my 
precision bass, I use flat wound strings. Okay. The recording. But on on stage, I use round wound strings. Okay. Uh, and I Fender Custom Shop made me this replica 1963 uh, Fender Jazz Bass, mm. which is slightly narrower neck, uh, uh, but it's a long neck. It's got ex extra fr frets on, mm. which is fantastic. I love it. Uh, and it's got the electronics, which work better on stage uh, than because uh, it's active and not passive. Yeah. Cool. Well, uh, uh, save save by the music, uh, which you were kind of talking about um, how this is all part of your life. Um, that's also on this release. That comes from the the Blue Jays project, um, and I did not know this, but. Um, 10CC recorded a song with you guys on that record called Blue Guitar. What was it like working with with Kevin and Lowell and, and all those guys for that well, and Well, Justin really worked with on that. I came off of afterwards. I think I was living in Spain at the time. But the, the Blue Guitar record wasn't on the actual really, uh, uh, initial uh, Blue Jays album. Uh, the record company decided to add it. They thought they could get a few extra mileage out of the album. <laughs> you know, you know what record companies like. Yeah. You know, they couldn't care less with, whether we put we put the Blue Jays album together in an order of songs that made sense, and just to tack another song on, although it's great song. Uh, it's a record company thing. <laughs> <laughs> when you look back, I mean, Moody Blue songs and, and, you know, your solo stuff in Moody Blue songs, they're, they're just in the ether. I mean, they're, they're so iconic as part of, and I think especially going back to the sixties and, and songs like, you know, um, uh, Nights and White Satin. I mean, what, what do you make of just the, the, the life um, that these songs have developed on their own? I, I don't know. It's really interesting because uh, every time I play these songs, it's like I'm playing them for the, for the first time. Mm. Uh, I, it's, it's a really strange experience because every time I go on stage and play them, I want it to be the best I've ever played that song or the best I've ever sung that song. And, and so... Uh, because the emotion comes from the audience, you know, the energy comes from the audience. You, you, when you start a song, you can actually feel the uh, anticipation, I suppose, mm. from the audience, because I love listening to music, going to concerts. I know what the feeling's like. When somebody starts, I'll go, yes, this is a song called one. And... Uh, I, I think that's how the songs uh, carry on, you know. When we, when we first started, we sat down and said, what do we really want from our music? And we said, it would be fantastic if in 20 years' time, our music was still relevant, you know. Never think it would be 50 years. <laughs> so amazing. <laughs> Uh, you, you, so that's what we tried to do. You said, we've got to stand by this music, you know. 
are you sure those lyrics are right? Are you sure this chord sequence was right? <laughs> you're there, you know, everything, because we don't want anything to come back and haunt us. Right. Wow. That's, a, that's exactly what Rod Argent said. He said, you guys didn't know how long the music was going to last because it was so new, that style of music at the time. Yeah, who knows, you know. When we when we did Days of Future Past and we played it back for the first time, we thought, well, who's going to buy the, this record? No idea. Mm. But we were so excited as a musicians to have done something that no one else had ever done. It didn't really matter at that time what was going to happen to it. Uh, it was just something... We'd accomplished. Yeah, that's so awesome. <laughs> it's it's so yeah. amazing. I, I get chills thinking about it. <laughs> or goosebumps, I should say. You know, same thing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, John, what's next for you? I mean, uh, you you you're still I, you're obviously working away in your studio. Um, I mean, you talked about it. we know that uh, Gemini Dream is out now, uh, and of course the Royal Affair tour. I mean, what what's next for you? Yeah, I'm I'm uh, I'm rehearsing right now for my tour next year in March. Um, uh, I'm just you know I'm keeping the Moody Blues music alive with uh, you know uh, songs from the other guys in the band, but I'm also looking at some deep cuts of my own which I can bring forward so people go oh. Yes. Nice. Uh, yeah. And uh, um, we're really excited. We've got three deep cuts we've been working on. And uh, at the moment, they sounded really, I'm really enjoying the, doing them, you know. So let's hope the uh, audience does. That's awesome. You're coming uh, Tuesday, March 15th to Sellerville, Sellersville, Pennsylvania. So that's, that's our area, John. Yeah. Oh, good. <laughs> oh, Pennsylvania is always, always been good moody blues yeah. area, fabulous areas. Yeah, we're big fans. Absolutely. That's big awesome. music fans, too. Yeah. yeah. And then Pennsylvania, uh, is, what can I say? The Philadelphia, uh, oh, what's it going to say? Yeah, everything. Any Philly memories? That's, that's where we are, Philly. Well, lots of them. Uh, the, 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 the classic one, I have to tell you, the classic one is I, I'm doing a, 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 a gig with my band uh, just before the uh, lockdown. So that was February, probably, mm. um, 2020. I'm confused with all these dates now. Uh, <laughs> Same here. I, I'm going to Newark Airport and uh, uh, I jumped in the Uber. Uh, just, my guys ordered an Uber for me to get to the airport because they had all carried on somewhere else. Mm. So <laughs> I got in the Uber and the drive guy driving along and he turned around to me and said, Hey, you're John Hodge. I said, yeah. Moody Blues. I said, yeah. He said, you're never going to believe this. 
And I'll tell you the story now. We were playing at the Spectrum mm. in, well, whatever date, 1970. And uh, it's pitch black. And there's like 18,000 people whatever, in the Spectrum. And we walk in on stage, and Ray Thomas is walking by me. And instead of walking in front of the amplifiers, he walked behind the amplifiers. But unfortunately, there's no stage there. And he dropped down like... <laughs> oh, no. He dropped down 10 feet. And all I could, all I could hear was in the darkness, rock out, help, help, help. And I looked down, and he's hanging on to his flute, all bent up. Anyway, so we oh had to God. come off stage, and we put his feet in ice, and he said, okay, I'm okay, I'll go back on stage. So we went on stage and said, is there anyone in the audience got a flute? And this guy from the back said, I've got one! <laughs> And they sent the flute down, and we did the gig, and the taxi driver was sitting next to the guy with the flute in 1970. Oh, my God. Is that amazing? That's amazing. That's, that's a great story. That's yeah. incredible. That's a great story. Yeah. Wow. That's awesome. Oh, yeah. Amazing. Oh, oh John, Phil, Philly loves you. Absolutely. Philly, yeah. Philly loves you, John. Well, thank you very much. Thank you for the interview. And I hope you get a home one day. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. <laughs> That's going thank in the tease for the promo. Yeah. <laughs> John Lyle, thank, thank you. you so much. The album is, of course, uh, The Royal Affair. And after the new uh, song, the live version of Gemini Dream from the Las Vegas show, The Royal Affair Tour. And uh, John Lodge, thank you so much, sir. We are truly... Thank you, thank you, thank you, Joe. Um, stay safe. You got it. Can, can you oh, do like, a... Yeah!